comprising of Armenian-American band members and singing about politically charged topics like war, capitalism, and drug addiction over frantic instrumentation. System of a Down has released five studio albums to much acclaim. Their first album contained the song P-L-U-C-K, which stood for Politically Lying Unholy Cowardly Killers, which discusses their views on the 1915 Armenian Genocide. While their later albums would directly criticize the Iraq War, asking, Why don't presidents fight the war? Why do they always send the poor? Clearly never ones to shy away from political opinions, their second album, which was certified triple platinum, by the way, starts off with a song full of facts about the incarceration rates in America and gives way into the topics of suicide and Charles Manson's environmental beliefs. In between all that, Add in a song about group sex, and you might just have the album we're talking about today, System of a Down's Toxicity. Welcome back to Any Album You Like, where I'm repeatedly subjected to watching The Wizard of Oz synced up to various albums as chosen by my guests. I'm Ben Mooney, and today we have Mike Olson from the Stool Pigeons podcast, uh, who has chosen System of a Down's Toxicity. Welcome, Mike. Hi. I'm uh, I'm warming up my metal voice, so... <laughs> Oh, God, I don't know how that's going to come out, but... That was surprisingly good, actually. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I I did not honestly expect much, um, <laughs> especially because I know you do, like, barbershop and that kind of stuff, so... Yeah, it doesn't go well. I'm supposed to have a concert this weekend, so I don't know. Uh, I, I shouldn't go too heavy on this because I don't want to wreck my voice, but... Still, I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> so the the first question I ask everybody is, why... Did you decide to choose System of a Down Toxicity for this project? I think the easiest answer is this is just an album that I've always liked ever since it came out. Uh, and I also kind of thought it would be maybe kind of funny. Like, I don't know. It's a very, it's a very cute, kind of beautiful, not this, I don't want to say naive, but it, it is, this movie is reaching towards a, a kind of naive, remembrance of what the world used to be like or or hope for what it could be like and system of a down is very cynical and angry and so it seemed like it would be a really good juxtaposition of of ideas to me okay um i mean i think uh not to go too much into it just yet but i think uh you kind of nailed that Um, and that sort of follows into my second question of what did you expect? Like, did you expect to actually like this or was this just sort of like, I don't know, throw shit at the wall and see what happens? It was largely throw shit at the wall. I mean, I, I kind of thought there's going to be a few moments where it syncs up in a really hilarious way. And maybe there will be a few times where like the Tin Man is making some really weird grunting noises like, uh, Serge and Darren, the singers from System do but other than that i didn't really know what i was getting into and i'm not like a big wizard of oz aficionado like i've seen it probably a normal number of times in my (laughs) life i don't know like (laughs) definitely four or five this is a movie that you kind of can't exist without seeing a lot i think but i don't go out of my way to watch it usually yeah you're talking to somebody who uh, this is the seventh time i've watched it in the last month oof and I've got three more of these bad boys. So, uh, yeah, exciting. <laughs> how's that going? How's that. your how's your mental state? Well, so, okay. So I, I expected to kind of hate it by basically by like the third time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've sort of hit this peak where I was like, oh, man, I'm noticing all this great stuff that I just never noticed before. The amount of detail they go into for a movie, you know, before uh, home video and digital streaming, there's just tons and tons and tons of detail. So I actually kind of got more of an appreciation for it up until about the fifth episode. And now I'm just like, <laughs> I was watching this last night and I'm like, yeah, this is all great and all, but 
holy fuck, why am I doing this again? <laughs> so I'm coming down the other side of that uh, that bell curve where I'm I'm not sure I appreciate it as much as I did uh, maybe two or three times ago. Okay. So not insane yet, but there's still time. How? Uh, what's the time frame for the last three? Uh, I'm doing two more next week, and then the final episode the week after. Okay, so so getting down there. Yeah, I gotta say it's a good. I mean, at least you have the advantage of this actually legitimately being a very excellent movie. That was one thing I really noticed watching it this time. Kind of with, I don't know, with less less jaded eyes of. You know, you you sort of watch these old movies that you've seen a few times and you just sort of are like, yeah, these exist in the cultural zeitgeist. I don't really need to pay attention. You turn off the sound and put on a different album and suddenly you're <laughs> you're watching it more closely. And yeah, like you said, you, you see things and I never noticed just how freaking gorgeous this movie really is. Like that you can you can take these 80 year old special effects that they're doing and they they hold up. It's ridiculous. It's it's there's a reason that this is you know considered one of the best movies of all time. It's really amazing to me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember watching this movie when I was a kid. Like it came on some uh, cable channel one day or whatever, um, and my dad had it on, and he just was getting really ridiculously nostalgic about it because <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's a movie that has been out for you know, it's. It, what 75 80 years Closer at this point 80. it was 1939 yeah so um you know so he's he's sitting there being really nostalgic for it and i was young enough where i'm just like there's no action and explosions and like you know it was kind of a boring movie to me mm -hmm. and then um you know we watched it in my college film class because of course it's the wizard of oz it's what made technicolor the spectacle that it was and then you know, but the whole time it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, I don't know, whatever, it's kind of boring. And yeah, I think I just, I've hit a point now where I can appreciate, you know, with a little bit of separation, realizing it was made in 1939, uh, that it's actually a really damn good movie. Mm -hmm. So, well, good. I'm glad at least, if nothing else, you got that out <laughs> of uh, this experience. Oh, I got, um, I got plenty out of it. We'll, we'll have some things to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, well, how about how about we start getting into that? Um, so I think and I'm just going to dive right into it. My favorite part of this entire experience, because it was so fucking good, <laughs> was that right off the bat, you start out with prison song where it's, you know, this this uh, really politically charged. I mean, it's system. So, you know, that's. A lot of it's politically charged, but it's this politically charged song about uh, uh, prisons in America, and it's just these quick little facts about uh, the 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 incarceration rates in this country interspersed throughout the song. And the way I totally read it is that Dorothy is this like first year college student, just took her first sociology one hundred and one class, and is just suddenly woke. AF and just has to come home and be like, Annie M, did you know the the prison stats for the country and how many black men were incarcerating in this country? And Annie <laughs> M just doesn't fucking care. And then every time prison song comes back on, there's at least one moment where it's very just Dorothy saying something. And I'm like, she just can't let it go. Like <laughs> It's like that person who who takes their first sociology class and is like, I'm an expert on world politics now. Did you know children are dying in Africa or, you know, just whatever stat they learned that day? And I kind of fucking loved it. It worked every time. I really noticed that that first time it was on when it's still in Kansas, there were she was walking around through just fences everywhere. And all I could think was she's already in the prison like Kansas. Kansas is the prison you guys right although maybe not maybe it is not a prison for minor drug offenders filling the prisons but <laughs> i mean maybe not in uh, 1939 but yeah it's a it's a prison of the poverty of the system because you know the depression was basically caused by the kinds of you know rich rich bureaucrats that or rich plutocrats that system of a down is always complaining about in their songs yeah exactly 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely got that when we we're still in Kansas and, and we've got that song. Um, it was like, I I honestly, I, I did not really know exactly what to expect um, out of this. I just knew it was going to be crazy as shit. And so right off the bat, this sort of intro is like, you know, all these weird political statements that you can draw from prison song to Kansas in 1939 mm-hmm. or, you know, that worked honestly way too well. <laughs> I think the thing that I really, that I was really loving is just generally about this song is how subtle it is. <laughs> it's a, it's a funny thing about system of a down that they really have they have about three different songs if you if you really <laughs> add it up. They've got they've got the political song that has a, a very hard hard to parse these just beautiful metaphors that can that can be really confusing and vague, but you have to really kind of think about them a lot to understand them. Then you've got the really silly ones. You know, later we've got Bounce, where it's just, right. this is literally about group <laughs> sex, and there's no other way to interpret it. And then you've got ones like Prison Song that are just the least subtle. I mean, they're literally they're literally just stating facts. There's no rhyme to it. The, the rhythm is very hackneyed. I'm just imagining different... Like, if, well, if they were to write that today, it would be like... There's no evidence of widespread fraud in the food stamp system. Cutting its budget will only lead to hungry kids. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, it's exactly. kind of fun. Like they were clearly a little tired when they wrote that one. I feel like. <laughs> I mean, you know, I feel like that's what you got to do, though, because if you just make everything symbolism, there's going to be those assholes who just are like, "Oh yeah, this is a cool song about whatever I feel like it is. My life's perfect." Like. Sometimes you just got to be like, yeah, this is fucked up, and here's exactly why. If you don't think this is fucked up, you are the problem. End of statement. That's my song. I definitely well, – I was looking into this a little bit because one thing that occurred to me, uh, I listened to this to the album kind of by itself ahead of time. Uh, I've never paid attention to any of the lyrics in this or tried to understand any of it, and it made me feel <laughs> a little guilty <laughs> because I was like, wow, there's a lot of heavy themes in this incarceration rates, drug addiction, government overreach, police violence, stuff that I'm way more interested in now than I was right. in 2001 than this came out. I shouldn't say interested in like, oh, it's such a cool topic, but like that I'm <laughs> right. more aware no, I, of. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of had that same, uh, I kind of had that same feeling where, you know, I knew um, Ariel's, I knew Chop Suey, um, and like I knew toxicity, and I think those are the really only songs where I'm like, yeah, I can name a lyric from that. Right. Anything else? I'm like, oh yeah, that's System of a Down. I think I recognize that song. Um, I don't know what that's saying. I've I've never listened to the <laughs> lyrics, so they're hard to understand too. I mean, just like straight up, he's shouting, he's screaming. He, you can't always even tell what the words are. Right. I will say this is so far the most difficult notes I've had to take for this podcast <laughs> because it was juggling between my notes and then the lyrics for every song and the songs kept changing. Like, you know, they, they System of a Down has a weird thing where they're like, you don't know when this song's going to end. I So many times I was like, oh, on the op- uh, on the closing chords, it does this. And then I'm like, oh, there's still 30 seconds in this song. And then they have lyrics right up to like, three seconds before the track changes. And so I'm like trying to pull up different lyrics and noting when tracks start. And it was, it was, uh, an exercise in, uh, note taking. I can tell you that much. It goes fast. You can tell my, my notes get very sparse towards the end because I'm like, this is my third time through this fucking album. (laughs) I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the other big thing that I wanted to, definitely make sure i hit is that the tornado scene was brilliant that was incredible that was definitely the highlight of the whole thing for me like it starts um let's see uh so chop suey starts right around the time professor marvel sees auntie m in this crystal ball oh yeah and And this was the interesting thing that song is about suicide which i never knew 
It's like literally <laughs> one of my favorite. It's probably my favorite system of a down song and maybe one of my favorite songs in uh, overall. And I just, I've never really, it's about make up, shake up, grandma put your keys on the table. I don't know. Like if it makes any sense. <laughs> right. And then I'm reading about it and it's like, Suey is suicide and they wanted to call the song suicide and the studio made them change it. Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah. So what's really interesting about that is the song starts right as Professor Marvel is talking to Dorothy about Auntie M. You know, he's, he's you know, doing his bullshit psychic thing. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, yeah, there's an Emily. And then Dorothy goes, have I... Have I broken her heart? Oh no, I need to go back. And that's that's the moment where they start this song about suicide. And it's like, well, Auntie M's definitely gonna kill herself. Which I mean, I guess right. in Kansas during the Dust Bowl, things are not going great for them. You know, she's got the shittiest neighbor of all time in Miss Gulch. <laughs> right. Yeah, and so it starts there, and then Dorothy sort of runs off down the road, and then it transitions into this tornado. And Chop Suey set against this tornado Mm -hmm. sequence is fucking perfect. I had a legitimate emotional reaction to that scene. And I, you know, I'm kind of a typical Midwesterner who's been brainwashed by toxic masculinity into never showing emotion. So I, Uh so I'm like that really, to me, the, the music and the tornado in the background you know, coming for her and she's so terrified and everyone in the basement must be terrified not knowing where she is and the song. And by the way, 1939 special effects team, nice job on that twist. Right. It looks incredible. Right. That the effects in, I mean, I've mentioned it a couple of times on this podcast by now, but just the, the level of terrifying that scene is with 1939 special effects. Yeah. Like just the the wind blowing everywhere and things coming off like the door coming off its hinges and yeah. uh and she has know. to kick the gate down on the fence. Something about that really got me like how it it shows how desperate she is. It doesn't open and she's got to kick it open. Right. Like it's it's just terrifying. And there are movies that were made in like 1990 that were way worse than that uh special effects wise i mean yeah it's it blows my mind i mean and again this is the seventh fucking time i've done this and every time i'm just like shit they did a really good job on that and yeah and put to chop suey is just amazingly great like there's even there's the line like why have you forsaken me while dorothy's trying to find shelter because she can't get into the cellar the line self-righteous suicide comes in like right as Dorothy's going in the house, which is not a particularly safe place to be. There's a big like guttural yell right as the tornado scene the first time, um, like all sorts of stuff just lines up so good. And then the the cherry on top is just like the window bursts and she gets hit in the head and it fades out as she tumbles down onto the bed. And like, yes. fuck me, man, this is so, so perfect. Yeah. Every episode so far, the tornado scene has always been good, but this is like a whole nother level of just perfection. <laughs> yeah, it was truly beautiful. I, I had that too, the, the window blowing out just as it's when angels deserve to die. And then boom. And then it immediately transitions <laughs> into the one of the silliest scenes in the movie and one of the silliest songs on the album. Right. Which, they didn't necessarily mesh super well, but it was it was so silly. I loved it that they're they're doing bounce, which is, uh, you know, they lined up double quick, but just one pogo stick, and it's about how he went on a date and <laughs> there were other women there, and they just all were fucking him, like <laughs> the life of a rock star, man. I, <laughs> but then you know all this is happening, and the witch is flying by, and Annie M's flying by in her chair, and that scene is so ridiculous. Not that it's right. bad, it's just as it's just as weird. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean that was like yeah, Bounce was was a very good track to follow that up with. Um, because it's just weird high energy, you know, there's all this weird stuff going on. Um he actually says the word down right as the bed hits the floor, which I really appreciated. Yeah, yeah that it was it was really good. 
Oh, man. I mean, I'm just I'm trying not to just sit here and go down the whole list because everything honestly, everything in this was pretty phenomenal. Oh, I will I will also say I'm skipping ahead quite a lot in the movie, but on pretty much every other episode, uh, when the lion is singing the song, If I Were King of the Forest, it is always garbage, and this is the first time it actually worked, and I didn't expect that from System of a Down. <laughs> it definitely seemed like he was singing. My problem with that scene was that I did not remember that that song. I don't know that I've ever heard that song outside of the movie, and so I was like, <laughs> what is this song that he's singing? Right. I totally before I started this, I totally forgot about that part, too. And I think a lot of other people have like it is just so forgettable. It's become sort of the bane of this podcast because it's always garbage. It never lines up to anything. I kind of just hate it. And here is just like, you know, the the sort of yelling, singing sort of stuff that's going on in God. What song Forest. was it? Yeah, which is right. A- it is even it's even fucking called Forest. <laughs> <laughs> that song's that song is also the one that was playing when after after the Dorothy's house lands in Oz and she first opens the door. So this uh-huh. is a song about how humans are destroying mother nature and <laughs> it's about how like it's it's sung from the perspective of mother nature and it's like you are my child, you are my mind in the sense of like you're the only intelligent species that I've created and yet you're tearing this world apart. And it's saying that as she's walking out into this just gorgeous, lush landscape of Munchkin land. Which is probably, I mean, honestly, if she's like 16 and grew up in Dust Bowl, Kansas, this is probably nothing she has ever seen before in her life. And it's like, yeah, here's these super great lush forests full of green and colors. And uh, by the way, you're killing me. <laughs> yeah, I I thought that was delightful. And OK, so here's the thing not related to the album, but that I the thought that I had when Glenda the Good Witch first. Sorry, Glinda the Good Witch first appears. My first thought was, boy, this movie was really ahead of its time with that J.J. Abrams lens flare. <laughs> And I was like, that's really weird of all the of all the like perfect visuals in this movie that they would just have this random lens flare. Oh, right. That's the bubble floating in. (laughs) Been a while since you've seen this, huh? Yeah, it has. (laughs) This is actually my first time watching this movie since I saw Wicked for the first time. Okay, And uh, I was definitely kind of trying to backfill some of the retconning that Wicked does. And I got to tell you, I really don't buy it. I really don't buy this whole plot line in Wicked that the Wicked Witch is really good and she's just trying to protect the animals of Oz. And Glinda the Good Witch is just playing into this whole political charade of making Elphaba, the Wicked Witch, the villain of the world for some reason. It's pretty clear that the Wicked Witch is evil when you're watching this movie. I'm I'm not sure where this like alternate alternate reality comes from yeah i i'm not particularly familiar with wicked well i'm telling you right now it's bullshit after having just watched wizard of oz (laughs) great that's all i needed to know thanks for (laughs) filling me in on that tony award more like phony award come on (laughs) the munchkins creeping out uh to the start of uh i guess at was how you say it atwa atwa okay that's right. It's in caps, but my notes, I did not do that. So <laughs> that makes sense. But yeah, the Munchkins creeping out to the the start of that song was just too great. Munchkins dancing around to this is creepy as fuck. So they're singing Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead. And this song is about Charles Manson. So I, I kind of enjoyed that because like he's pretty recently dead, too. It's true. I did not know that until I was reading the meanings of some of the lyrics ahead of time. And boy, this song is kind of oddly sympathetic to that dude. It's, it's really, it's maybe a place where me and me and old system our our politics, uh, break a little bit. It's okay. The ATWA stands for air trees, water animals, which I guess was some sort of environmental organization that Charles Manson founded. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That I remember reading about, um, about, him and uh atwa i just 
never saw it abbreviated ATWA, and now it makes uh, all too much sense. And now I'm going to forever think about Charles Manson when I see Munchkins dancing around. So that's <laughs> cool. fantastic. And you have three more watchings of this movie. I have three more of these so to go. It's going to be perfect. So when you're lis- listening to like a Billy Joel album or something and he's singing Piano Man and the Munchkins are dancing, it's going to get really weird. Oh, uh, I have, um, uh, I've been teasing it for a while, but I think the next episode is Backstreet Boys. So that's going to oh, be that's great. That's delightful. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the Munchkins dancing around to this was uh, pretty fucking creepy. And I have a lot of notes that, I mean, they, they just don't come across very well uh, without seeing them. But the, the instrumentation changes uh, because System of a Down does this where it's sort of just like, and we've hit a point. It's a new measure. Let's just cut out all the instruments except for uh, bass, guitar, and drums with a like jazzy beat. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember which song that happens in, but um, like all of them. <laughs> uh, so I have a lot of notes, like uh, along with this one, like guitar solo as Dorothy takes a carriage ride. Like I have a lot of little notes like that all throughout that just don't translate quite as well because it's just it it synced up just perfectly in a lot of places. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. There were a couple moments where the Munchkins were definitely moshing. <laughs> And like the Lullaby League and the Lollipop Guilds, they're, they kind of really lined up with the music, like they were singing the lyrics. And at this time, we're on to science, which is the song about how spirituality is important and that we all focus too much on science. Science has failed our world. <laughs> science has failed our Mother Earth, as sung by the Lullaby League and the Lollipop Guild. <laughs> yeah. And, and Dorothy's accepting their gifts like, okay, guys, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you well, say. I mean, you got to remember, she's still this this uh, woke AF first year college student right. who took a sociology class. So, like, she's just she's going along with the ride, man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, learning all about <laughs> how science is killing faith or whatever. I mean, she doesn't know what's going on in Oz. Shit, they literally have <laughs> flying witches and munchkins and talking scarecrows. <laughs> Maybe they could do with a little less science in Oz. <laughs> yeah, I I guess. Um, yeah, I'm the the really the only note I had in uh, science was fucking Munchkins dancing. Yes, they're moshing. It just, it just creeped me the fuck out. It was great and also just weird and creepy at the same time. The Munchkin Mosh Pit was the best. <laughs> and then like so with uh, when Shimmy comes in. Shimmy was kind of the first part where I was like, eh, this isn't so great. I did have a note that there's the line, I want a house and a wife, as literally the uh, Wicked Witch is looking at the house that has crushed her sister, um, which I thought was pretty good. But I think this was sort of the first moment where I was like, okay, like I'm, you know, everything up to this point has been phenomenal. And now I'm just kind of here for it, I guess. Really? Because this was one of my favorite moments because she's because I had this moment of like, oh, this is going to be my theme for the for the movie of it's it's the Wicked Witch's first appearance, really. And and it's this song about take me. I want life. Take me. I want a house and a wife. And it's like it's all about how we've all been brainwashed by what corporate America wants. So I saw Glinda Goodwitch as like. Oh, this is the American dream and all this frivolous bullshit that we all think we should want. But the good witch is, is, I want to shimmy, shimmy, shimmy till the break of dawn. Yeah. And she's the one who's going to like <laughs> wake us all up from this utopian nightmare or what, whatever, <laughs> like fake, okay, fake utopia. Yeah. I think you sold me on it because I was just sort of like, um, you know, and especially for someone, uh, like me, who's not as uh, familiar with most of System of a Down, I was just kind of like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. He's singing <laughs> about shimmying. I also just liked the Wicked Witch singing that she wanted to shimmy, shimmy, shimmy till the break of dawn. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty good. I also want to point out this song starts out singing about education, fornication, subjugation, uh, and it's all this brainwashing stuff, which is basically a Pink Floyd song, so I felt like that song just goes <laughs> pretty well overall. It's all tying back in. It, yeah. it all ties back in, yeah. So clearly this was all 
intentional by System of a Down. They knew that someday you'd be making this podcast. Perfect. I appreciate <laughs> that, uh, considering the the low scores I've uh, been giving on the last couple of episodes. So um, <laughs> I'm glad that someone is finally putting in effort for this fucking podcast. <laughs> Are you talking about me? <laughs> no, I'm talking about System of a Down. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I didn't do much. <laughs> I mean, you you did exactly what I asked you to. You picked an album and watched The Wizard of Oz uh, while listening to it, which is a pretty weird ask, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> the fact that I had you, this many people sign up for it, it blows my mind. It, to be fair, you barely had to ask. I mean, you said, <laughs> I'm thinking about doing this podcast, and you had 17 people telling you, what album they wanted to do without even really asking if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's pretty much how it happened. It was a fucking joke that I tweeted about and fucking James from Unabashedly Obsessed was like, yeah, you should totally do that. And next thing I know, I'm seven episodes deep and mm-hmm. talking about System of a Down. So, you know, that's just how my life goes these days. <laughs> James is an enabler is all I'm saying. Yeah, no, he definitely is. I don't know him that well, but from what I do know, enabler would maybe be the first adjective that I would apply. Toxicity was um, okay, I think. Um, there was one part of this that I really loved, which was that it's it kind of t- somewhere towards the beginning. She says, which way is it to Kansas? And that's during that song. And my thought was, which way is it to Kansas? It's somewhere between the sacred silence and sleep. Right. But um, that was the best. Yeah I, th- <laughs> yeah, I had that one as well. And apparently they had he's screaming disorder when Dorothy is lost. It's like, I guess that's okay. <laughs> um, mostly, though, what I like is then when it goes into Psycho, the Scarecrow's got a lot of really fun stuff going on in this song. I mean, the song's called Psycho and like it's, you know, he doesn't have a brain. So like there's some implication there. Mm-hmm. It's about obsessive groupies, which you could kind of argue that the Scarecrow, the Lion, and the Tin Man are like Dorothy's obsessive groupies who won't leave her alone. Or like, you know, he's singing um, singing about like drugs and stuff. I forget the exact. Is this the one where he's just, just shouting? Psycho groupie, cocaine crazy, psycho groupie, coke makes okay. you high, makes you high. Yeah, it's just it's kind of nonsense. It's another one of the silly ones. Yeah, so so he's kind of dancing around a little bit and he's he's tumbling around. So like my headcanon for this now is that the scarecrow is a, like a drug addict just based on sort of his movements and yeah, I mean I I've uh I definitely ascribe a lot of meaning to a lot of characters on this one and uh so we've got a first year college student and her friend, the drug addict. So yeah, he's got a little, this is your brain on drugs thing. And it's just a little pile of straw. Exactly. See, he's, he's that nineties commercial with the fried eggs all over again. Yeah. Then the crows eat the fried eggs. He's exactly. already fucked up. He can't even do his job anymore. Exactly. He's just a burnout. The crow, the crows <laughs> are getting all the corn. And all he's got to uh-huh. do is, you know, do cocaine and try to score with Dorothy. <laughs> oh, God, that's weird. She was like 13 when this movie came out. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, in, in okay. the original book, we looked it up. In the original book, I think it, uh, she's like 12 or something. But um, in Judy Garland was 16, which doesn't that's still not help great. a whole lot. I, I do uh, this as, as much as I regret saying that just now. I do want to segue into something that I had been thinking as like an overall thing about this is that I, what I, I didn't necessarily connect a ton with the wizard of Oz and, and toxicity. But what I did really connect with is what this kind of said to me about Hollywood in that time and Judy Garland's life. And because of the way that like everyone was always berating her and calling her fat and ugly and giving her drugs, you know, giving her uppers so that she could work all day and then downers so that she could sleep at night. And it led to this whole lifelong battle with drug addiction that eventually culminated in her death at a relatively young age. Like 
that is very system of a down. And that is very much the kind of horrible bullshit that they sing about. Uh, right. It's the kind of horrible bullshit that they're railing against when they sing. Not that the songs are horrible. And I, it really, it really hit me a lot to think about like, Dorothy is this very innocent and beautiful figure. And she really represents the hopes of Americans as we are finally recovering from this horrible decade long depression. And, you know, this, this desire to look into a happier future. And that's all great. But man, did the world just shit on Judy Garland a lot for her whole life. And yeah, that, that was a very kind of, it was, I was not expecting to be bummed out by this experience, but there were definitely <laughs> a couple moments uh, like, like that where I was. I think that's kind of the magic of doing this with a system of a down because you know, so far, it's been a lot of, you know, uh, fun, upbeat albums or, you know, albums about love or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. most people sing about. Um, I mean, with some exceptions, we did um, Black Star by David Bowie. So okay. that was weird. <laughs> but oh, you live in a you live in a pot legal state, don't you? <laughs> that probably helps. <laughs> I was I was definitely thinking as I was starting and throughout the whole thing, like, God damn, I wish I was high for this. <laughs> oh, I've been sober for every one of these. I have to take notes. But also <laughs> some of these I, I like I kind of need a preview of first because like I don't know if I could handle this one with some weed. But like, you know, maybe go back to, to Black Star mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, try that one on for size. <laughs> but um but yeah, so you know, a lot of these have just sort of been that that sort of default uh like, you know, you sing about love or you sing about heartbreak or um you sing silly songs about, you know, whatever. And here it's like this is some real hard-hitting shit about mm -hmm. politics and suicide and drug addiction and um you know, so it's surprising how much meaning comes through from that music when you're doing something as innocent as watching The Wizard of Oz. Yep. Honestly, a, a lot of that I don't think came through quite as much for me just because I was, again, juggling between all these different yeah. notes and lyrics and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, kind of like you said, they've got their subtle ones, they've got their silly ones, and then they've got the ones where I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this is a song about the prison system. Got it. Okay. I definitely had a moment. So... Uh, the next song is Ariel's, which is a very excellent song, but I didn't notice anything particularly yeah. great on. Uh, the next song is Arto, which is a hidden track on the original CD, uh, which I always skipped over because it's basically just like uh, their take on traditional Armenian chanting. Mm -hmm. uh, it was really creepy when the Tin Man was singing to Dorothy about... I'd be tender, I'd be gentle. And it's uh -huh. and he's like giving her this little look and the chants in the background. And I was like, oh, dude, stop macking on Dorothy. It's gross. Right. <laughs> First of all, one of the one of the many things I have noticed doing this is just how fucking seductive of looks the Tin Man is able to give and how often he does that to <laughs> mostly Dorothy, but also sometimes Scarecrow. Like... <laughs> Sometimes just to the camera or off to the side, like he just he kind of wants to fuck everything. I think maybe that's why he needs a heart. I mean, look, he's basically had the ultimate stiffy for an undefined amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first thing they do with him is lube him up. They have to lube him up like seven times during the movie. And they're always warning him, like, hey, careful, you might get stiff again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that explains it. <laughs> okay, I've decoded Tin Man in a way that I really wish I hadn't now. It's gonna be my it's gonna be my new nickname with the ladies. Ah uh, yeah. <laughs> Sup ladies, I'm the Tin Man. <laughs> Just doesn't sound what, that sexy, does it? <laughs> what woman would not be interested in that? I mean all of them all <laughs> all of them would not be yeah no the the chanting was uh was pretty uh pretty weird i mean it's it 
you could you could sort of make an argument that the sort of ritualistic chanting and hearts is maybe like something to do with faith or um you know especially as we've already had songs about like you know science versus uh spirituality and so you know actually cuz yeah I agree I always would generally skip the the um hidden track because like mostly I just wanted to listen to Ariel's it's probably my favorite system of a down mm-hmm. song and then this one would come up and be like, all right, cool, whatever, skip it. <laughs> but it was it was kind of weird with uh, the the Tin Man's saucy looks. Yep. And uh, I should point out, uh, just for anyone who's trying this one at home, we specifically used the uh, Amazon Prime streaming version. Different versions kind of handle the secret track different ways. So, um, you know, your mileage may vary on this uh, for basically from here on out. But yeah, so then we get back into Prison Song again. And again, I kind of fucking loved Prison Song. Like, it it timed up with sort of how he was trying to get his legs to work. Dorothy's now talking about prison populations to the Tin Man just out of the blue. Because <laughs> um, she's still got to be that woke AF college he's, student. He's basically made of metal bars. So she's just like, your, ba- <laughs> your body is a prison. Yeah, the famous uh, B-side to Your Body is Wonderland. Uh, Your Body is a Prison. Yeah, and then um, I also have the note, Scarecrow is talking about drugs again. I don't remember what that was specific in reference to, but at this point I had it fairly solidified in my brain that uh, the Scarecrow is a drug addict. Well, see, then, then the witch came back and started screaming about how she wants to abolish mandatory minimum sentences. <laughs> yep. And I was like, hey... Way to go, Wicked Witch. She, yeah. That's, maybe maybe she's not quite as evil as you said. Maybe Wicked had something to it. Maybe, um, yeah. maybe Wicked should have been about uh, her quest to abolish mandatory minimum sentences. Yeah, maybe. And all the... I mean, for all I know, Oz's prisons are full the fuck up with all these like talking animals and... This literally is the plot of Wicked that there's like this huge bias against talking animals and everyone is like what racist against the talking animals <laughs> and and Elphaba, the wick who is later known as the Wicked Witch of the West, is like is on like this political crusade to give animals talking animals equal rights in Oz. Shit. Okay. It's it's very it serious, but it's also a Broadway of- musical, so it's very not serious at the same time. <laughs> It sounds kind of fucking all over the place, um, but okay. I I think you've again you've convinced me to never partake. Um, I think I'm good, especially after doing this. I might be done with the Wizard <laughs> of Oz for a very long time. Yeah, I was thinking you could just redo this podcast with like all the different remakes <laughs> and sequels and reimaginings. <laughs> oh, there's just so much material. You could be doing Wizard of Oz shit for the rest of your life. If you wanted to. <laughs> oh, that. Okay. Um, I'll have to consider uh, if I really want to be the Wizard of Oz guy. Um, <laughs> it's too late, man. <laughs> you just did a podcast about the, you're doing a 10 episode podcast about the Wizard of Oz. I think you're already that guy. Ah, uh, shit. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, and so here's the, the other big thing that I, I really wanted to bring up is that so far, Pretty much every album just has not stood up as well once you get to the first repeat. Um, Again, System of a Down kind of bucks that trend. I actually had, I think, just as much fun. I mean, maybe not as much. We didn't get the quite the brilliance of of the tornado scene Mm -hmm. um, in the second playthrough. But I had just about as much fun on the second playthrough as I did in the first. Um, There were still a lot of really good moments. I'll admit I started to get a little bored as it started repeating. But there were still, I mean, there were still some very good things, though. That is totally fair. Uh, I'm coming at this from a usually it hits the second playthrough and I'm basically asleep. (laughs) So anything on the second playthrough um, get it it, that actually works is just very exciting to me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, God damn it. You're right. I am the Wizard of Oz guy's shit. (laughs) Okay. I mean, there are worse things you can do. My podcast is about poop, and so I'm the poop guy. <laughs> and I mean, I ha- I have to live with that. Yeah, but all the same, man. When I uh, when I met uh, your co-host Tiffany 
uh, at PodCon, and she was like, this is what our podcast is about. I'm like, yes, please tell me more about this. I am all in. Yeah, that's there's definitely like the the two reactions of my podcast is about poop. Oh my God, that sounds so amazing. I definitely want to hear about this. And then there's the, it's about what now? Oh, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> and we've just sort of learned to live with that. It's It's cool. Right. But yeah, I mean, I I don't think I have as many because, you know, again, especially uh, especially with something like this, where it was it it was a very sort of exhausting experience, I think, Mm -hmm. just because all of the um, uh, all of the lyrics and just really heavy, uh, you know, heavily distorted instruments and uh, all of that. And also, I sort of watched this later last night than I intended to. But all those all those things did kind of add up. So that by the end, I was sort of exhausted almost. Mm-hmm. But it's different than most of the other ones I've watched. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm kind of bored. Um, I thought this one held up pretty well in the second playthrough. Yeah. I mean, they sing the song. They, they sing about how they sing pull the tapeworm out of your ass while the lion is dancing around and his tail looks like a tapeworm coming <laughs> out of his ass. I mean, on, what more could you ask for, honestly? <laughs> um. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't I, I I will admit as much fun as I had with the second playthrough, I don't have quite as much uh, written down about it. There's they um, play the group sex song while they're going into the uh, car wash place. That's like the wash up and brush company. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I did like how it said uh, the lyric. I went out. I went out on a date with a girl right as Dorothy is getting all dolled up, mm-hmm. which again, she's 16. Let's not think too much about that. Um, but it worked pretty well um, in the song. Um, they're singing um, the the word up as the witch is up in the sky, like uh, flying around. Um, there's a great guitar riff that's going on while the witch is flying around, spelling out surrender Dorothy so, you know, there's there's still a lot of good stuff. I just don't know if any of it's quite as interesting as the first playthrough. Yeah, this was about the point where the first time they see the wizard, I was like, all right, this movie's almost over. And then he's like, you have to go get the witch's broom. And I was like, shit, there's a whole third axe. <laughs> right? That's basically what everybody tells me. Like, I, I feel like if this was made in 2018, like, by the time you get to the wizard, it's like, all right, cool. We're basically done. And uh, just the timing in 1939 was like, oh, no, cool. This is just setting up for this whole thing at this castle where, you know, you got to go kill a witch and get her broom. And it's kind of like, OK, all right. I guess I'm uh, strapped in for this one. All right. <laughs> this was another thing unrelated to the album. Uh, where did the scarecrow get a gun? <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Some okay. Here's a fucking metaphor for you. Uh, the guy without a brain is the one that they gave the gun to. That sounds about right. The only yep. way to stop a bad witch with magical powers is fucking idiot with a gun. That's the NRA's new slogan. <laughs> <laughs> Write a song about that system of a down. <laughs> yeah, I'm into it. Also, if I see that as the NRA's new logo uh, or slogan in the next couple of months. Um, uh, I was gonna say I'm gonna sue them, but that's probably not a great yeah, idea. Yeah, we didn't say TMTM. They've, got, they've TM. got some lawyers, so uh. <laughs> I'd say you should you should probably just feel good about how successful you clearly must be if this podcast has made it all the way to someone on the marketing team of the NRA. Like, no offense, I love I love your podcast, but I just don't <laughs> see it uh, making that kind of cultural impact. Hey, I mean, if it does, I'll be I'll be pretty thrilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm I mean, I don't think I have any notes on any specific things I really wanted to hit on in the second playthrough. The timing didn't quite happen the way I wanted, but um, th- the scene in the witch's castle is where they're singing aerials, and and. Just before the final showdown with the witch, he's singing about how life is a waterfall. And I was like, please, <laughs> please, please. But then it ends up taking too long. And it's the right. it's the chanting, I think, that 
is going on right because she's she's wish. melting as it's doing that chanting which i thought was pretty good yeah it was pretty but cool. not as good as life as a waterfall would have been mm-hmm. i do also want to know why she just has this bucket of water hanging around like this is the first time where i was watching and i was literally like wait a minute there's just a bucket of water right there just why why does she have that it literally kills her <laughs> Maybe she doesn't know. I mean, maybe she doesn't know that water is is dangerous to her. <laughs> I mean, it I, can't I, it can't always have been like rain exists in Oz, right? Like this must be some sort of side effect of all the evil magic she's been doing. I mean, that's true because the good witch fucking summons a snowstorm out of nothing. So, oh, if yeah. water kills the bad witch, why can't she just be like, oh, it's snowing now, bitch. Boom, you're dead. Yeah, totally. Like, you can just instantly nuke your enemies instantly and not injure another human being or animal, whether or not they talk, whatever that's about. You can just fucking kill them at any point, and you haven't. I think that's on you, Glinda. Come yeah, on. totally. I want to make a point about that scene with the poppies in the snow. Um, the poppies are definitely opium, and the snow is definitely cocaine, and that whole thing is definitely a sad representation of Judy Garland's life. So yeah. there's that one for you. And and System of a Down's, you know, their own struggles with drug addiction. This is clearly all meant to be. Can I also ask, does it seem insane to you that the Emerald City clearly has a a wide network of competent bureaucrats, and yet when the wizard leaves, he hands over executive control of the city <laughs> to these three fucking jokers who just walked in literally off the street who have no heart, no brain, and no courage. And he's like, you're going to run the city now. Turns out that the power was in you all along to run a sprawling bureaucracy of a major city in a magical kingdom. Like, holy shit, man. That... Okay, this is, it is, I don't know how they managed to make this a metaphor for today's America <laughs> 80 years ago. It was very prescient. Yeah, I'm, uh, the more we talk about this, the more I am very impressed with their soothsaying abilities. <laughs> yeah, no, shit, dude, that, yeah, that kind of kills me a little bit. <laughs> they kill the witch, they come back, there's a, the, the, I think the problem with the second uh, this whole, whole second half of the movie is that it it tends to be just really like dialogue heavy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of time when people are just other than like a chase through the um, the castle. It's sort of just like, oh, hey, we're talking now. Um, the lion's singing about if he was king of the forest for some reason, like more talking. <laughs> you know what that scene where they're getting chased through the witch's castle could have used is one of those segments where they're where the camera's pointing down a hallway and people are running out of doors and into doors and then coming out of all the different <laughs> doors I, with like the monkeys and the witch and the and our and our heroes i think that would have really just added a level of like emotional resonance to that scene it really would have done it for me nice yeah like i'm i'm trying to envision this now and i'm like yeah actually i could i could kind of go for one of those and just think if they'd have done it I mean, it's such a cliche, but if they'd have done it in that movie, it would have been the origin of the cliche. Exactly. Like how every single line in Casablanca is a cliche. Right. But it's just because that's one of the best movies ever. Or like how every fucking action movie that happened in the early 2000s was like, we need bullet time. Matrix did it. <laughs> oh, God. My my daughter's been making me watch Shrek lately, and I'm just like, what are they? Do- oh, right. 1999. <laughs> I, I remember yeah. now. <laughs> I mean, I like The Matrix well enough, but it ruined an entire generation of action movies. <laughs> it did, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really have anything else specific I want to call out here. Um Well, I have a know. couple. Okay. The first the the towards the very end uh when when Dorothy has to close her eyes and say, "Well, I mean, basically Close your eyes, tap your heels together and three times and say, Wide were the eyes of a horse on a jet pilot. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was really phenomenal. <laughs> and then I don't know that this lined up exactly the way I wanted it to, but the last on the last playthrough, because we get into a third playthrough of, right, just of the barely. album here. Mm-hmm. And the song Deer Dance comes on, and I couldn't help but think that beyond the Emerald City, you can see America. And it was a 
it was a very perfect encapsulation of how the whole movie is a metaphor for America. And I mean, you know, a lot of this song is a, a lot of this album is about some of the worst aspects of American government and American culture. Right. I mean, I think, I think it would be accurate to say that in some respects, the original was sort of a metaphor about America. Um, I may like just be pulling that way, out of my right? ass, but yeah, just like, you know, there's sure you live in, in poor Kansas and, uh, in the dust bowl, but you know, life is pretty great. And if nothing else, you've always got your home. It's where you came from. And here it's like, yeah, this is a metaphor about America. Let's give the idiot a gun and then put him in charge. <laughs> they literally do. And it's, and it's like everyone cheers about it. <laughs> Uh huh. <laughs> so it's way too real. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, there's this person we don't like. I know what we should do: murder her and say it was an accident. <laughs> that sounds. Yeah. <laughs> everyone exactly. will buy that, and then everyone does. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's America for you. Thanks, System of a Down, for helping us through the Wizard of Oz to find out the true meaning of America. Fantastic. At this point, I do want to ask if you had any sort of dis- major disappointments while watching this. I mean, I, I I don't know about you, but like I got way more than I ever expected to get out of this. So I don't think I have any disappointments. I got to say when I was watching it, I was I was not super into it. But you've kind of you've kind of convinced me as we've been listening to it. There were really a lot of good moments, and I also don't I don't have a lot of frame of reference from which to judge. Like I don't know how the other viewings of this with the other albums are going. I I got very frustrated. It it seemed like the whole thing was about one minute time shifted from where it would have been perfect because it seemed like all of System of a Down songs are two you know two and a half to three and a half minutes long and all of the scenes are in the movie are about two and a half to three and a half minutes long but it never it always seemed like one scene was we would start a song just like when we were still in a scene and then the scene would end after about the first chorus and then we start the next scene and it kept being frustrated and it was a really big temptation to just be like stop the movie or stop the album until they they matched up and see what happened. I I mean I didn't because I you know wanted to follow right. your instructions. But but no, I mean I I do get that for sure. There have been some other albums that have just the, like the the scene transitions work really great with the track transitions. And yeah, I mean I I think I would agree with that. You know, as as great as uh, Chop Suey to the Tornado was, it was also like it starts like uh, I don't know. 45 seconds before we actually get to the tornado scene. Yeah. And I think you could say that about a lot of things that like a lot of the songs are starting about 45 seconds before it would be perfect. Right. Yeah. I think, I think I'll agree with that actually. Um, I think that was maybe my one big, um, like if I could go in and, and tweak the system a little bit, I think that's a, a, a good observation for sure. The problem is, in order to make it as good as possible, you'd have to do it once and then try it again. And I'm not sure that this is something that I would do a second time. Uh. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's funny to me because of the number of people I've had on who are just like, well, this album could have been better. I wonder what other albums by the same artist would work. I'm like, oh, good. I'm planting all these seeds <laughs> so that I'm just going to make everybody watch The Wizard of Oz a billion times. Um, and then that's when I find uh, that's when everyone finds out I work for Big Wizard of Oz. I'm a shill and I've been making big money. Lion. This whole time. It's an MGM joint. You can call it Big <laughs> Lion. <laughs> I don't think I have really much else to say about that. Last but not least, on a scale from one proverbial bounce on a pogo stick to <laughs> 10 proverbial bounces on a pogo stick, where one is, this is just a, a waste of time, please nobody ever do this, to 10 being Everybody listening right now should absolutely 100% go and try this themselves. Where would you rate this experience? I'm going to say I'd give it like, 
I would give it like a six. Okay. I, I would maybe maybe I would say I would give it a a seven if you are previously a system of a down fan and a five if you just think they're okay and split the difference. Okay. Yeah, honestly, I was kind of thinking about the same because like I said, this was sort of a um, especially compared to the other ones, this was almost an exhausting sort of watch. Yep. Again, just everything is coming at you so fast. It's really fast lyrics. It's really driving rhythm and and um, you know, like double pedal, uh bass drum, like all sorts of just really fast music and you get very few breaks from that it's a little bit exhausting to just do for a an hour and 40 minutes and the movie as beautiful as it is it is not high energy right i mean if you did this on top of like crank with jason statham it might work (laughs) really well but it definitely felt like the movie was moving at such a at such a like leisurely pace which is intentional and and wonderful but the mu- and the music is just yeah just so driving and fast that i just kept waiting for dorothy to try to catch up and she never does cuz why it doesn't like she was listening to system of a down when she was filming the movie <laughs> so it it, it kind of gets a little like you say it gets a little exhausting right so yeah along those along your same sort of uh grading scheme i will give it uh eight proverbial bounces on the pogo stick if you are, you know, if if System of a Down is your kind of thing, if it's something that you are cool with doing, you know, for an hour and 40 minutes, if nothing else, the first playthrough was phenomenal. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would definitely at least give that a shot. Uh, but if System of a Down just isn't your thing, you know, you're probably not going to like it. And I'm going to say more like a, a four, um, you know, maybe try out the tornado scene. It was really, really good. But, um, you know, beyond that. You know, I mean, I I did find a lot of it, it was both really silly in a lot of ways and in, in how this really fast paced album synced up with a slower paced movie from 1939. And then, you know, like we've been talking about, there's a lot of weird, deep, unintentional symbol or maybe intentional system of a down. Uh, <laughs> if you meant to do this, let me know. But, yeah, there's some some weird symbolism that kind of comes through and um you know, I, I think it's it's definitely worth a try. So uh, if if you can manage an hour and 40 minutes of System of a Down straight, um, I say give it a try. This definitely gave me an, a new appreciation for this album, primarily because I'd never until now looked into what the lyrics actually mean or even thought about it. Uh, right. And, and just knowing that, I think, was a worthwhile experience, again, for someone who maybe is previously a fan of System of a Down or at least a fan of that style of music. I would never recommend this to somebody who's who doesn't enjoy metal because it's yeah it was a lot metal. to take in all right well uh thanks again for coming on the show Thank you um, for having me if uh anybody wants to find out more about you and the podcasts that you do where can they find out more information about those sure so my podcast stool pigeons the one about poop it, you can find it on uh you know, all the regular places on the internet and our Twitter is at stool pigeons pod. I also do a podcast with some friends where we binge watch a shitload of movies in one franchise in a weekend and record podcasts after every single one of them. We did fast and the furious, uh, and that's called binge buds. Uh, we are still working on the second season where we watched all the diehard movies in a weekend and that's at binge buds cast on Twitter. Yeah, definitely uh, check out both of those. Um, I'm, actually a really big fan like i said when the moment tiffany was like this is what our podcast is about she handed me that business card i was like cool i'm listening to this on the way home from podcon (laughs) and uh, i'm definitely in that camp of uh oh yeah no this is totally up my alley yeah if it sounds like you'll like it from the description i'm pretty sure you'll like it because i think we do a pretty decent job uh making informative and funny episodes about about shit there's there's a lot you didn't know about shit yeah, and I will say, like, for a podcast about shit, it's actually most of the time it's not actually like that gross. Sometimes, so. sometimes we, sometimes we don't quite live up to our promise to not get too gross. <laughs> uh huh. Um, and yeah, I still need to listen to more of uh, Binge Buds, but I've been having problems finding more Fast and the Furious movies I, um, easily available. I've only ever watched the first one, so 
And then I started this stupid project. Oh, so it's going to um, take up some time for you. Exactly. Um, but yeah, check out both of those. Uh, they're both fantastic podcasts. I listen to both of them. So if you enjoyed Mike on this uh, on this podcast, definitely give those a listen. And uh, until next time, I will see you on the other side of the rainbow. This has been Any Album You Like. I'm your host, Ben Mooney. If you would like to contact me about this or any other episode of the podcast, you can email me at anyalbumyoulike at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at anyalbum. If you liked this episode, consider leaving a review for it on iTunes. If you'd like to support me further, you can also buy me a coffee. The link for that is in the episode notes, or you can go directly to ko-fi.com slash benmooney. That's B-E-N-M-O-O-N-E-Y.